has been nominated for two podcast awards and exceeded 1 million downloads. He's currently writing his first published book, also called The 5AM Miracle, which is expected to hit shelves in early 2016. His blog, podcasts, products, and coaching services are focused on dominating your day before breakfast because, according to Jeff, early mornings matter. In his words, waking up with intention, with a plan, and with a solidified purpose can make a dramatic difference, not only in your day, but more importantly, in your future success. His mission is to help ambitious working professionals discover and become the highest and best versions of themselves. He's incredibly interesting and incredibly energetic and an awesome example of a man doing amazing things in this world. We can't wait to learn more about him. So with that, Jeff Sanders. All right. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks so much hey. for uh, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast with us today. Hey, no problem. It's awesome to be here today. Big, big question to start off with. Did you dominate your day this morning before breakfast? I think I did. Yeah, this morning was great. I, I woke up you know, early like I like to wake up, and uh, I immediately began drinking my usual water that I do, and I went right into working on my book that I'm finishing up right now. So that was my big morning domination today was working on my book. Perfect. And why don't you tell everyone about uh, what that book's going to be about? The book is based on my podcast, so it's called The 5 A.M. Miracle. It's the same title as the podcast, and it's really all about that same idea of making your day the best it can be by waking up early if you if you choose to do that. But you don't have to, but then the, the real idea behind it is your day is intentional. So you plan out what you're going to do. You wake up. You dominate your day. And then because of that, the rest of the day is easier. And you know, going forward, if you continue that practice, then you're able to accomplish your big goals that you're prioritizing early in the day. Very cool. Very cool. So is that kind of your, your main focus is helping people get their morning routines aligned and, and in shape? Yeah, the morning routines are really kind of the, the first step in the process to ultimately achieve your goals. And so that's how I, I frame the, the podcast and the book is that whole concept that you know you have these big things you want to achieve. And one of the best ways to guarantee you can make time for it is to wake up early. Because that, for me personally, has been probably the greatest thing that I've done in the last few years of my life is to prioritize my morning hours uh, with the intention of saying, like, that's what I'm going to run. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to write. I'm going to work. And if I put my best energy forward early in the day, uh, I have seen so so much progress on my goals that prior to that, it was just hard to make time for it. It was hard to have the energy for it. It was hard to really get the progress I wanted. But now that's happening and it works for the people as well. And so it's awesome to see that happening. And what do you think was the defining factor for starting this focus for you? Well, it was probably three and a half years ago. I was training for a marathon at the time and I had a full-time job and I had a side business that was growing, which is what I'm doing now full-time. And I had a lot going on, but I also was training for a marathon that I just couldn't find the time for. And so I realized that running during my workday wasn't going to happen and after work was always too crazy. So I decided to wake up early one morning and just see if I could make that work, you know, at sunrise. 
and I got hooked on day one. It was just this amazing, like, wake up early and go out and, and enjoy the, the morning and really make, make physical fitness my focus. And from there, I, I trained for the marathon well, and that was so addicting for me that I kept it going and, and began to replace that morning run with other work time and other goal projects. But that was my intention was just to make time for the marathon. And once I had that, I knew that the 5A miracle would stick for me. That's fantastic. I think, you know, so many, so many people, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners out there, uh, a lot of the guys out there that, that are really working towards getting their morning routines shaped up. It seems to be a struggle for a lot of people, you know, and, and maybe what, what we can do is just kind of dive into what's the benefits and, and what are the, the main thing that people really struggle with. So let, let's just start with the benefits. Like, why is it so great to have this morning routine dialed in? I mean, for me personally, this is probably the only time in the day where I can guarantee that no one else is going to be awake and no one's going to bother me. Like for most people, that's kind of this key factor that you know your family wakes up a little later. If you want time to yourself to really focus on something and have time, that's the best time to do it. You know, if if your family gets up at six thirty and you're up at five thirty, you have a full hour before they're awake to work on something that matters to you. And so that was my original intention. Also, is I wanted that time by myself to focus. So that's the kind of the first big benefit that I've seen. Uh, the second one is the fact that your early morning hours is probably the time when you're most awake and most alert. And so I want to take advantage of those hours as best I can, which means that I want to kind of do the, the difficult, you know, mental challenging tasks that I have or to do the things that I would otherwise have postponed later in the day. You know, for most people, they don't work out unless they do it early in the day. And that's just so common because it, it's just it's so difficult with, you know, discipline wanes as the day goes on. But you have that discipline early in the morning. You have the opportunity to use your best energy and your best focus. So I just see it as this opportunity to take advantage of what your body is already giving you. And so why not wake up, take that advantage and, and get the progress done. So for me, that's kind of this, a second big thing. I think the third benefit is that that's also the time when people focus on, uh, on their diet and their health, like not just with, you know, running or exercise, but also with eating healthy. I think a lot of people will, will postpone, like I just this myself, will postpone eating healthy food because they just have this craving for something else but you're not going to have a smoothie at 6 p.m., but at 6 a.m., a smoothie is fantastic. It's a great way to begin your day. It's an awesome way to have that nutrition, that energy you want. So for me, the early mornings, primarily for me, is all about energy. It's about self-care. It's about health and fitness. And if I have that focus, then those benefits carry forward the rest of the day, and I end up with that energy and that productivity that just follows naturally from there. That's awesome. And, and like I said before we started our call today, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the podcast and I've, I've actually taken a lot of your lessons into my life. And, and to be frank, it's, it's changed, changed my life the way I've had, been handling my mornings. But I, I got to be honest, I travel a lot with work and one of the struggles that I always have is how do I continue this routine when I'm on the road and when, when life kind of gets a bit chaotic and, and, and out of that norm? Do you have any recommendations to stick with it? I think the best thing to do, this is one thing I've actually recently adopted, is to intentionally create a, a variety of morning routines. So you might have, for example, like a typical work day where you're up out of bed at 5 a.m. You have to be at the office at 7 a.m. So you have this you know, two-hour routine you've created. And then beyond the weekends, you have a different routine because you have a little more flexibility and you have a lot more time available. So you have a longer routine to do more of the things you want to do. And then you might have a third one, which is like a travel routine. Like when I'm out on the road and doing things that are more difficult, so I might have a, a shorter time frame. And so you intentionally create and, and, and lay out you know, on paper, here's what I'm going to do when my schedule is crazy, when I have a very small amount of time. You know, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to have a little bit of water, I'll meditate for five minutes, uh, I'll do a little bit of yoga, and then my day will go from there, or whatever the, the things you choose to do. The key there, though, is to know that these days are going to happen, you're going to be traveling, you're going to have busy days, so plan those in advance, and have that on paper, so that when those days show up, 
you know ahead of time, this is what I'm going to do when this happens. Uh, this also goes to the idea of having an evening routine in place that plays into the morning routine. So you might say, like, I, I know that tomorrow morning is going to be crazy. I'm going to make sure I get to bed early tonight and have that plan ready to go so that when tomorrow morning shows up, I'm not then deciding what to do. I already have that choice made for me ahead of time, which is a really important key point that allows you to then make sure those things actually happen as opposed to waking up and feeling not in the mood, which then causes you to not do it at all. So the real the, the key here is about intentionality and planning ahead of time. I think a lot of times we also get so hard on ourselves when we slip and fall and, and stumble. Uh, I think it's important not to kick yourself too hard if you miss a day. Uh, you know, just get back on it and, and, and keep going. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I definitely don't stick to this every single day of my life, even though I'm like, you know, the 5 a.m. guy. Um, I'm not out of bed every single morning at 5 a.m. And I have those off days, too. And you're definitely right. You have to really just kind of just get back on track the next day and make it happen. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of times people get stuck in this trap thinking that they need to be perfect at it and like doing it every single day. And I, I've found for myself, you know, I agree getting up early in the morning is is fantastic and having those routines of, you know, writing or, or writing on your goals or your intentions or whatever it may be. For me, I, I love writing, I love meditation and a little bit of yoga in the morning and then followed by a smoothie. So, you know, what you're saying really resonates with me. That being said, you know, it took me a long time to get there. There was there was probably like months and months of struggle just trying to find the right routine, what time to wake up at, what time I had to go to bed. And and it's really, I think for me, what I've noticed is that it's not this like regimented, you know, go to bed at 11, wake up at five every single day, like clockwork. It, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit for me. And that's what I was surprised at because, you know, when I tried to really stick to these very strict guidelines that that were regimented every single day, almost like, you know, militaristic, it, it really was tough for me. And maybe that's just my personality. But when I had a little bit more flow and flexibility, then, you know, it was, I, I was able to actually stick to the morning routines quite a bit better. So how, how do you find that? Like, is it, is it different for everybody? Like, are, are some people more prone to needing a, a militaristic approach where some people need that ebb and flow? Yes, definitely. I think it's, there's two answers to this question. The first one is that you're right that different people have different responses, but also the same person can have a different response over time. So but in the beginning for me, I had a very you know military style routine. So it was like every single minute was planned out. It was like 5 o'clock, I'm out of bed. 5.01, I'm putting my clothes. 5.02 is the dog walking time. Like It was really broken down step by step. And I think that in the beginning, that's really helpful to have that kind of structure, to, to have the intentionality behind it, to plan out how the day is going to go. But then over time, I think you see what, what you've experienced, which is days aren't the same every day. Things change. And so you have to make those adjustments. So what I do now is, is it's less structure in that sense. And it's more along the lines of, of a guideline. I might say, well, I want to have a, a morning routine today that's around two hours long. And here are the key things I'd like to get done in that time frame, regardless of what time I wake up or what I'm going to do next. That way I know, like, here's this block of time I want to use. Let's use it efficiently, get these key things done that I want to, but without having that really strict structure of a specific order or time frames attached to it. Because I think you're right that flexibility is really important to make sure that every day can be optimized without the extra pressure and, and the guilt that comes with not hitting your routine exactly as planned. 
Yeah, and I think that that you know the the word that really stuck out there for me was optimized because when you first start this process, like you're really looking for what is optimal for me, what's optimal for my body and my mind, and you know everybody's a little bit different. So what works well for Roger or yourself, it might not actually work well for me. You know, I found that having that flexibility, where in the beginning I was so like set on what I needed to have happen, is just is just paramount. So yeah, and just moving forward, I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit you know one of the things that we really talk about with man talks in in the events and and it's kind of becoming a little bit of a theme in what we do with the podcast is just what we call defining moments so defining moments in your life and the defining moments that have like led up to what you're doing right now so maybe you can give us a couple defining moments that have really shaped your life whether they were you know they can be all the way back from like your childhood or from your teenage years which are generally awkward and and hilarious (laughs) (laughs) but what are some of the defining moments that have really shaped your life and, and what were sort of like the one or two key takeaways that you learned from those defining moments Uh, There's two in my mind that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head. The first one was right after I graduated college. I went to school in Missouri. My fiance and I moved at the time to Boston, and I got a job doing door-to-door sales. It was my first job after college, and it was the worst job on the planet. I mean, talk about like it was – I was miserable every single day. But the one good thing about this job was that my boss required us to read one personal development book. And at the time in my life, I had read zero. I hadn't even heard of it before. And so I got this book. It was uh, John Maxwell's book called Your Roadmap for Success. And this book blew my mind, completely changed my perspective on my own potential and what I could do with my future. And I realized because of that book that my job was never going to last. And so I quit my job because of the book that it made me read, which is kind of amazing to me. But from then on, I was reading personal development books like crazy. I mean, just devouring books like I couldn't, I just couldn't stop. It was so addicting and so magical for me. I was changing all kinds of things about my life because of what I was reading and learning. And that's why I do what I do now. And with my current business and podcasting and book writing, it's all based on really that first experience and exposure to this world of personal growth, knowing that I have the ability to change whatever I want to at any point in my life. Like It's my responsibility to fix my own life and it's an opportunity to go fix my own life and go do amazing things. And I love that fact because it puts me in the driver's seat and says that I can change whatever I want. And so that was probably this, that was the biggest moment I've had in my adult life was that switch to knowing that I was in control. The second big thing that popped in my mind was that when I was 25, I believe, I went vegan. And this was something that I never saw coming. Like I was the biggest meat eater on the planet for the first you know, 25 years of my life. And I got to this stage where I, my wife and I got a dog and I took my dog to the, you know, the store. When we first got him. I took him to the pet store and the store asked me, so what do you want to feed your dog? We got this selection of dog food. And I said, well, give him the best food, of course. And when I said that, I realized, wait a minute, I don't eat the best food. I eat crap all the time. And so from then on, I realized I had to spend more time learning about food. And over the course of the next six months, I was reading documentaries and reading books and just devouring all that I could about nutrition and health and wellness, which then led to me deciding to to go vegan. And it changed everything about my health. I've run marathons since then, and I've done all kinds of just really ambitious fitness goals and nutrition goals because I just – I love what I eat and I'm excited about it and it really fits who I want to be. And so for me, that's that was a really pivotal point in my journey to, to become who I am today was really taking my food seriously and taking my nutrition seriously so that I could have the most energy and really be my best every day. 
that's fantastic. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I love the fact that, especially the, the food defining moment for you, like the nutrition defining moment. I think sometimes people, people aren't present to the really like simplicities of everyday life. Like I love the fact that your defining moment just came out of that experience. And, you know, a lot of the times when we talk about defining moments, some people are like, oh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, when I got cancer or like when my father passed away or something like that. And I just love this sort of like, it, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It's Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci. And I just love the fact that it sounds like you're very present in your day-to-day life to be able to witness some of those things and to realize that out of those simple moments that you can make a very like profound change in your life. So that's that's pretty incredible. So kudos, kudos to you on that. Yeah, next. Yeah, Jeff, we, we just wanted to know as, as a man, we, we talk a lot about sort of the challenges that men face and, and d- different uh, tough situations we go through in life. I'm curious for you, what has been one of the biggest challenges that you faced and how did this impact you? Biggest challenges as, as a man? Yes, as a man. Hmm, that is a good question. I think that, well, I mean, the last few years, I, I got married probably five years ago. I think that as a man, one of my biggest challenges has been to understand my wife, uh, which, I mean, that goes you know, across the board. Like, you know, men don't get women, and I understand that completely. I think, but one of the fascinating parts that I've seen in the last, I know my, my wife, we met in high school, so I've known her for 15 years, but I still don't really know her. Which is interesting because there's so much that she thinks that I never see coming. I think what I find challenging is trying to to listen and to actually like be present around her because it's so easy to be so absorbed in your own stuff and your own goals. And I think that for me, the biggest challenge I face is just like personal relationships, like being present with somebody else. Because I'm really good at being present of my own self. Like self awareness for me is huge. Like I know what I'm doing, what I'm feeling, what I want, but I don't have any clue what's going on with those around me. And I, that's for me has been a very big struggle, especially with my marriage, uh, just knowing what she's thinking and what she wants, what she needs. And I find that that is always going to be a challenge for me. I think it's one of those that I wish I was better at that. And I do work on it, but it's, it's slow progress there. Yeah, no, I think that that's, again, like that's just, that's fantastic. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners out there, a lot of the guys that are tuned into this, to this podcast are probably, I mean, Roger and I were sitting here like nodding our heads. <laughs> we're like, yep, yep. A hundred percent. Like, you know, Roger, Roger actually just got married two, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, I'm sure that that really resonates with some of our listeners. So, you know, do you have any best practices when you get in that situation? I know that I have some, some best practices when maybe communication isn't the best or I'm just sitting there talking to my partner, Kelsey, and wondering, like, what the hell is she trying to say? Like, what the fuck is going on in her experience that I just do not fundamentally understand? Like, there's a big disconnect. So, you know, like, do you have any best practices that maybe you can share with with the people that are tuned in right now? Yeah, I think that actually it's interesting. I was on an interview for a podcast like about a month ago, and the interviewer was asking me these questions about my marriage, and I was talking to him about it. And I finished the interview, and then my wife came home from work right afterwards, and I went to go talk to her, and we were talking for about twenty minutes. And after we were talking, she she paused and she was like, "You're actually listening to me right now. What changed? What happened?" Like she she noticed like a dramatic shift. And I looked at her and I said, well, I was just talking about you with this other guy for a while. And I realized while I was talking that I don't, like, I'm not physically and, like, mentally alert when you're talking to me. I'm usually distracted. I have things going on that, you know, I'm, like, cooking dinner while she's talking to me. And instead of doing that, I simply just stopped everything I was doing and, like, physically faced her and just listened. 
And I, was, I had to be very conscious about this. It was like a complete, like, I'm going to listen to my wife talk now. Like, and it had to be really, like, you know, really dramatic like that. But that was so effective because I really did listen. And we had a conversation. And I asked her good questions. And, and we had this great dialogue that otherwise would just not have happened because I would just kind of, like, blase with the conversation and hope things were okay. But this time I was actually present. And I think that's what it takes is a commitment to say, I'm going to be focusing on this right now and nothing else. And when you do that, you get those results. Like my wife even noticed directly that it was working. Right. It's, yeah. ma it's magic, isn't it? <laughs> totally. <laughs> hey, Jeff, Jeff, just curious, uh, you know, going back a little bit to, to talking about morning habits, uh, I'm curious, you have a partner in your home with you. Uh, I'm sure she has her own morning habits. How do you kind of find that balance between the two and make sure you're not bumping heads, getting in each other's way? Uh, do, do you have any tips for that? Yes. I mean, there's no doubt that we operate in very different ways. And my, my wife in the morning, she gets up, she does her thing, and she leaves the house as soon as possible. And if I talk to her during that time period, it's going to be a really bad situation. <laughs> she's still like half asleep, and she's very driven to just like do the bare minimum and leave the house. And so her morning routine is very different than mine. Whereas I wake up and I'm like, I'm, I'm fine to talk to people or hang out or do things like, but she is just not that way. And so what I have to do is, you know, make sure that my routine does not conflict with hers and that I might get up before or even after her some mornings just to make sure we don't have, you know, kind of overlap there. Uh, whereas the evenings is the total opposite. We're fine to, you know, have a conversation and hang out. But in the morning, we have our very unique ways of, of operating. So I want to make sure that I'm not in her way at all based on what I'm doing, uh, which means different alarm clock settings. It means different you know, I'll be in a different part of the house in the morning just to make sure we're not interacting too much if she doesn't want to. Um, even though I'm fine to do it, I know that it's best for her if I'm not, you know, getting in her way necessarily. So I make sure that I focus on, on what I need to get done. And that's basically it. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, again, that kind of like resonates with me is like my partner and I have very different routines in the morning. I'm an early, early riser like yourself. And, and she's not, <laughs> she's definitely not. And when we first started seeing each other, I was like, I was like that. Uh, I don't know if you remember the cartoon as a kid, there was like the big puppy dog and then like the little puppy dog. I think it was on Looney Tunes. Like the little puppy dog is just like jumping around and trying to get like the big one going. And in the morning, that's kind of what I'm like. I'm like up ready. I'm alive. Jumping on the bed, jumping on the bed. I'm like, <laughs> you know, poke, poking at her, you know, and I'm like, let's go, let's go. Like, let's start the day. It's, it's, you know, freaking amazing outside. And she just wasn't having it. And then finally I was like, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. Instead of trying to force this in, into being like, how could I actually use this time for myself? Cause it's not, I don't actually have much time to myself. So that's where, you know, I really got to like dial into my morning routines and, and kind of like, set my own pace for the day and set my own pace for the house so that when she does get up, generally I'm already done the like core of my morning routine, which is pretty fantastic. But, but it's also shocking when you first move in together because yeah. you, you, you kind of have this epiphany like, oh, you mean the rest of the world doesn't do exactly what I do in the morning? Like, <laughs> people, there are people that like to sleep, you know? Yeah. So true. So true. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Cool. So just kind of like moving forward, just out of curiosity, like, what is the best piece of advice you have ever been giving? I know it's kind of like a very vague question, but generally we all have, we've all had a mentor or a role model at some point in our life. And, you know, maybe you can speak to that for us a little bit. Who has actually influenced your life? Who's been a role model or a mentor for you alive or alive or passed away? And, you know, what was some of the best advice that you've ever been given by them? 
Um, when I was in high school, this was I had a teacher who actually I had previously back in like fifth or sixth grade, and he had followed me and my friends and was working with us on like side projects. Because so I was in theater a lot when I was younger. I actually have a degree in theater in college too, but we were spending time doing you know productions together and being in plays together. And this teacher, uh, his name was Dr. Prater, and he would work with us one on one a lot with these outside productions, these side projects, and helping us to really kind of just pursue theater however we wanted to pursue it. Throughout that process, I mean, I had. Uh, a lot of bizarre challenges. I was a terrible actor in so many different ways. And he was really good at working with me one-on-one. And I remember one day we were talking and he was like, you know, Jeff, you're never really going to be a good actor, but that's okay. (laughs) But but, but," he's like, you do have amazing skills in your life. You have this ability to to speak and communicate and, and you can help people and you can use your natural given talents. It may not be on stage in the theater, but you have something and that's what you should focus on in your life and push that forward. And at the time, of course, I was insulted. I was like, I should be a good actor. What are you talking about? But I also realized like that was just brilliant advice because from then on out, it was this kind of quest that I went on to say, ask myself, what am I really naturally good at? What do I enjoy doing? And how can I combine those things so that I can really you know, give the most I can to the world and, and have the best opportunity to grow a career and, and be my best self? And that all stems from doing what you are naturally drawn to, what you're naturally good at. And so that's why, in a lot of ways, why I'm podcasting now, why I'm working on books now, because those things fit what I'm naturally you know, geared towards, uh, as opposed to being on stage trying to fake like somebody else, which is I'm probably te- you know, bad at. But um, the whole point being that everybody has a unique ability. Everyone has a unique strength. And if you figure out what that is and you optimize that, then you're going to have the best chance for success and the best chance to move forward uh, doing what you were really born to do. And, and that's been kind of my mission ever since. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I think, again, just a solid piece of wisdom. There's there's a there's a really good gold nugget in there in, in which, you know, so many people, especially uh, maybe and this is kind of a generalization, but especially guys like they tend to. You know, when they, they don't have like that deep sense of purpose, they'll try and latch on to either somebody else's purpose or they'll try and latch on to something that, you know, they think will bring them something which will make them happy. Right. And a lot of the times we latch on to these things that that we think will bring us money or fame or fortune or something like that or, or lots of women or, you know, the fast cars and tend to like try and walk in that direction, even though it may be counterintuitive to what our actual strengths are. And it's kind of funny that when you open yourself up to your actual talents, to your actual strengths and what's actually there for you, then you can really start taking huge steps in the right direction. And that's, it's cool to hear that kind of like play out in your life. That that was true in your life. That's definitely true for me. Like, man, oh man, (laughs) like I, I was actually a classical singer back in the day. So like I sang opera for, for quite a few years and uh, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And it, it brought me all over the world. And I got to travel and, and sing and, and work with some of the most incredible musicians around the world. But it really wasn't like my core passion. I was doing it for kind of the, the wrong reasons. And it wasn't necessarily my my strengths or my what I call like my core gift. But it's it's pretty cool that by traveling down that path, I actually was led in the right direction. So yeah, very cool. Very similar path. And, and Jeff, on the flip side, have you ever been a mentor to anyone? Or are you currently a mentor to anyone? Uh, not in a formal sense. I think that uh, kind of indirectly through the podcast, I try to do that all the time. But no, not not in a direct one-on-one sense, no. Is that something that you're looking to take on in your life? Is that, you know, is it something that you want to do or is it just out there? 
I definitely want to do that at some point. I'm not exactly sure kind of when that moment will happen, I mean, who it will be, but I, I think that there is a lot that I have experienced that I'd like to help someone else kind of walk through those same steps. If they have, you know, similar goals or uh, if I can be of assistance to that person, I would love to do that at some point. Um, I think that, you know, in the, I think a lot of mentors tend to be older people who kind of help those who are younger. Uh, and maybe I'm old enough now to do it. Maybe I'm not. I'm not sure. But yes, eventually that's a great goal to do. Well, I listened to your uh, latest podcast this morning where you interviewed the mentee, Jeff Woods, and, and it sounds as if you gave him some, uh, some great tips on how to get started with his podcast. Yeah, Jeff Wood's an awesome guy. He had some great advice about mentorship. I think he's uh, he's great at being mentored himself. Like he is great at finding mentors, and so he was an awesome guy to talk to to figure out kind of how to make those connections happen. Definitely, we're looking forward to having having him on the show sometime soon. Yeah. Um, one of the last questions that we like to ask uh, everyone that we've been interviewed is, "What do you think it means to be a man today?" I think being a man today is different than what it has been a long time ago. I know talking with my, my grandparents and, and my father and kind of what men used to be, I know that who I want to be now as a man is not who they were. I think, um, well, just recently, you know, the United States just recently passed gay marriage and there's all these kind of like different definitions of what it means to be a person and, and with equality and with this desire to kind of fit into society. And I feel this real strong desire. You know, I don't have kids yet. I, I'm going to, as I, hopefully soon. I feel this strong desire to be a man who is open to all people, like a man who accepts the world in a very loving and caring way, as opposed to being kind of this macho who says like, you know, I have all the answers. I'm the one who's going to make things happen. As opposed, I would like to say that I'm the kind of guy who says like, I accept the world for what it is. And I want to be a loving, caring person. And I want to be a man who says like, I love all people. And I'm, I want to be that person. And I think that that's what I do on my podcast is I try to open up this kind of these doors to say like, we can all be ourselves, be authentic, and pursue our own individual goals and be awesome at those things. And so to me, like that's what being a man is, is saying like I'm going to be the best individual I can and to lead in the best way that I can and to be open to all people in whatever way I can. Yeah, absolutely. I I one hundred percent agree. And you know, that's that's really fundamentally why this podcast, this specific podcast exists as well, is you know, we really wanted to create a space for that to happen for for the authenticity and, the, and those really genuine conversations to unfold, just like it has today. Yeah, I think, you know, you made some really good points about being authentic and being open and vulnerable, right? Because it takes a, a certain level of vulnerability to be able to say, I don't know, I don't have the answers. And instead of just sort of like shutting down and, and, and saying, you know, it doesn't matter or, you know, just, just go find something else or do something else or I'm right. It, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of boldness to really step out and say, I actually don't have the answer, but let's figure it out together. So, you know, I, I think you've made some, some really valid points out there. So maybe for some of the guys that are, that are out there listening, what are some of like the core strengths that, that you really try and embody out, outside of those things that you touched on? But as a man, like what are the, some of those things that you really try and embody, especially in, in your business and in your relationship, specifically in those two fields? I think in my business, I really try to be a leader. I mentioned this earlier, but this idea of leadership to me is a really powerful one because I think that, you know, and now that I have you know, the podcast and the microphone, like the literal ability to speak to people, I find that leadership is a very powerful quality because 
Other people want to be led. We're all looking for leaders. We're all looking for someone who has an answer to a question, a solution to a problem. We want someone to show us the way. And I realized a few years ago that I could be that person for other people. I could be a leader and not just in the direct sense of like owning a business and then being in charge of people or you know having a podcast, but literally saying like every single day people will look to me and ask me for help. I think it's really funny that whenever I travel and go to new cities, I walk around the streets. I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just like looking for a coffee shop or doing whatever. And people will stop and ask me for directions because they assume that I live there. Because like the way that I'm walking looks, I guess I looks confident or looks like I'm sure of myself. It's just funny to me because like I have no clue what I'm doing. But I guess that I've faked it to some degree to enough that people are looking for answers from me. And so I, I know that that's happening. And I, I want to be the kind of person who can lead other people in a way that is not, you know, not BS, but like literal, like I know what I'm talking about and I want to help as best I can. So leadership to me is a pivotal quality that we should all embody. You know, every person out there should say, like, I can lead others and therefore I should. And I should find my way of leading others and, and making that a high priority. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Love that. I think one of the things that I've really tapped into over the last several years is that deep sense of leadership and what that means. And, you know, I've really gone on a long journey to discover what that means. And I think you, you touched on something really key that I kind of want to just back up into. And, and really, that's you, you made a statement that said, uh, I think what you said was, Everybody wants to be led in some capacity. And I think that that is crucial. And, and I just wanted to discuss that for a minute because I think a lot of men struggle with the idea of being led. And they almost perceive it as a bad thing. It's like, I need to be the lone wolf. I need to be the alpha. I need to be X, Y, and Z. They don't want to be submissive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't want to be submissive. And so they actually cut themselves off from being led, which actually almost on some level, I think, and, and, you know, this is, again, just my perception, but it, it almost stunts their growth in some capacity because they don't allow themselves to be contributed to. They don't allow themselves to be supported in any way and be led by somebody who is maybe ahead of where they're at or or where they want to go. So I think it's a really important piece is, is that I think you're right. And I think that everybody on some capacity, on some level, does really want to be led. And it's just about finding the right leader. And it's also about opening yourself up and knowing that you can learn from other people and that it's okay to step into that space. It's bizarre too because, I mean, as men, we all grew up playing baseball, hockey, soccer. We all had coaches in our lives and we had no we had no issue with being told what to do then or, or being – you know, being led and helped along, but you get to that age where it, there's this perception that you're weak if you need help. Mm. And uh, it's just not, it's just not true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I think even to go a little bit further than that is, is that we, I mean, I know personally in my life, like I have floundered before because I would, I actually refused to allow other people to, to contribute to me in some way. And I refused to, to seek help or ask questions or allow other people to even know what was going on in my experience and going on in my life because I, I had this perception that I had to fix it. You know, quote, there's quotation marks around that. Yeah. I had to fix it or I had to make it right myself. And God forbid that somebody else out there, you know, could help point me in the right direction. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's some key areas that I think that we could all use a little bit of leadership in like business and relationships and, you know, finding those finding those core people are, are pretty important. So, you know, like just on that topic, when you, you know, when you're having struggles, like who do you who do you normally go to? Like, do you have 
do you have somebody that you just bounce ideas off of like a, a good buddy that you, you know, you can talk with, talk with about relationship or, you know, your marriage or, or that you can talk with about your business? Or do you have, or do you have a coach? Yeah. Yeah. It depends on what the issue is, but I definitely have people that I turn to for all kinds of reasons. I think one of my first like inclination a lot of times is actually to, to reach to books to find the answer, which is kind of funny to me now because for a long time I, I was the, I was that macho kind of, you know, a-hole who didn't want to do things uh, any way besides my own way. Uh, I think when I was a teenager and in college, I had that very kind of hard line mentality of, you know, I have the answer, but now you're right. Like it's, it's the opposite. Like now I, I'm a lifelong learner, a lifelong student, and I want others to lead me, especially in all those areas that I'm not really confident in or not experienced in. So yes, I've, I've got friends that I lean on for all kinds of help with, you know, relationships and I've got people I turn to for my business. And one of my go-tos for a lot of times is just to read books and, and listen to podcasts and, and go to whoever might have the answer because I want to learn because I, I totally accept the fact that I am not at all, you know, where I could be. And the only way I'm going to get there is to acknowledge that, accept that, and then be open to learning and growing and being led. I think that's, it's just so critical. Yeah, I mean, there's really no excuse for us anymore. We have all the resources and all the tools at our fingertips to, you know, to answer any questions we have. And, and, you know, we just challenge all the men out there to listen to podcasts like 5am miracle and, and, and uh, reach out to guys like Jeff for the knowledge that, that he has and, you know, better, better your life. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, kind of on that note, if you could recommend a book to anybody or, you know, I know that you mentioned the, the book earlier on that, that it changed you. Who was it by? I can't remember. John Maxwell. John Maxwell. Yeah. So if you could recommend a book or two to the guys that are listening out there, what would you recommend? I've got a few books that I absolutely just love to death. One of them is called The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. I'm interviewing Jay Papazan for my podcast next week, but The One Thing is a phenomenal book, especially if you just want to really focus in your life on the most core elements that will push you forward. That's a phenomenal one. The second, which is very similar, is called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. It's similar topics, but it's this idea of being an essentialist and really narrowing your life down to just, once again, a few core things that matter. And the third book I'd recommend that's also really powerful is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. That book focuses on little tiny actions that add up to big results over time. And so it's the whole idea that, you know, it's the kind of idea of an early morning, like every little choice you make today, waking up early matters. And tomorrow, waking up early again matters. And if you do that over and over and over, you're going to have great results in the long run. It may take a while to see those results, but it does work if you keep at it. Mm, nice. That compound effect kind of sounds like decision-making process that I have. I call it the thousand times effect. And basically it's, I use it to get my butt out of bed most of the times in the morning. And for let's, let's just take that for example. So let's say you get, you're laying in bed in the morning, your alarm goes off and you're contemplating just hitting snooze. And the question I'll ask myself is, what if I did this a thousand times? What if I made this choice a thousand times? And I've found that there's been some, some key points in my life where you know, I, I, maybe I haven't asked myself that question. And if I had the choice that I would have made would have been very, very freaking different. And I've also found that since I've started asking myself that question a thousand times, it's really changed things because when you're driving past the McDonald's or the Wendy's and you're like, Oh, I should just stop in there and have a quick bite to eat. I ask myself that question. What if I did this a thousand times? What if I made that choice a thousand times? Well, I'd be very close to death. Like, <laughs> You'd be the only one on this coach right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, so do you have any sort of tidbits or habits that really work for you? You mentioned the, the smoothie at the very beginning of the podcast. What are some of like the keys or the, the foundation? The non-negotiables. Yeah, what are, what are some of like the non-negotiable habits for you? 
Like my very first habit that I always stick to is to drink a liter of water first thing in the morning. Uh, and this started because I used to begin my day with coffee or espresso and just kind of get really jacked up really fast. And I realized that that just led to me being dehydrated and it wasn't what my body needed. And so now that I do a liter of water is the first thing, I have this kind of rule is water before coffee. And so I have to have that. And when I do, it's amazing how effectively it wakes me up, how much better I feel, how much, how much healthier I am. I think water is a pivotal thing that we all need as soon as we get out of bed in the morning because you've had probably eight hours of dehydration, like eight hours of nothing. And that's what your body needs more than anything. Uh, so that's how my, my days begin is with the water. On um, the other, like I mentioned before, is the smoothie. I That for me is like a guarantee every day. I've got to make sure I have enough time to make a full smoothie. And mine is a full Vitamix blender. So it's about 64 ounces or about, you know half a gallon. Some that, you know, it's a large quantity. And so that's what I really make sure that I have every day in terms of my health. And then exercise is one of those things that it doesn't happen every single day, but it is very, very pivotal if I can make it happen. So that to me is one of those, like I'm always just asking myself, how can I rearrange my schedule to make sure I can run today? Because it just makes such a big difference. Um, like I said, you can't have it every single day most of the time because if I'm you know busy, but I really want to make sure that those key things happen. So it's water, smoothies, exercise. That to me is like an ideal, like fundamental morning routine for me. If I have time for other things, that's great. Uh, but those three are, are my key go-tos. And if, and if you happen to, to miss one of those key days, how do you get back on track? Immediately the next day, like I will schedule my, my activities to make sure that like, you know, today was an off day. That's no problem because those things definitely happen. But I will rearrange my schedule for the next few days to make sure I can get back into my routine as fast as possible. Sometimes I'll schedule those things later in the day to kind of catch up then. Uh, but a lot of times it's, it's just easier to get back than very next day and make sure the next day can be an effective morning. And so I think that you know, I'm looking at this thing kind of long term and saying over the next few days, how can I make sure my schedule is going to pan out, knowing that those kind of bumps in the road will happen. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, again, I, I just I can't stress enough. I love the simplicity in in what you're saying. You know, the, the drink, drink one liter of water that has definitely changed. I mean, I want to say changed my life like it's some big thing and it is kind of a big thing. But, you know, just drinking a liter of water in the morning is exceptional. And, and before that, I was just like you where I'd get up and I would walk downstairs and I would grab my coffee. And, and that would be that would be how I started my day, because I think, you know, I need to get like that kickstart. But now that, you know, the last several months drinking a liter of water in the morning has just shifted my energy and shifted the way that I wake up in the morning. So, you know, I, I just love that you have these like really manageable and really measurable habits on a daily basis. And they're nothing huge because I think when people start these processes, at least again, I can only speak for myself, but when I tried to, to start a routine or a, or a morning habit years ago, I remember, you know, starting off with like, okay, I need to meditate for half an hour and then I need to write for an hour and then I need to go and work out for an hour. And, it, you know, it was like these massive things and it was just so it was so big that I like I couldn't I almost couldn't accomplish it because it was just stressful daunting yeah it was like this huge daunting task so I love that you have like these simple wins like you know get up have some water first thing in the morning boom it's like yes I've accomplished something so do you think that that's one of the keys is just making them measurable and making them simple enough that you can actually do it like every single day Oh, definitely. I think that, you know, my tendency is kind of do what you're just saying. I used to have a morning routine that was five and a half hours long. 
Like, not even kidding. Like, it was the longest, craziest thing ever. And it had all those things, like lots of meditation and running and reading and smoothies. And, like, I packed in every single habit in the world and then realized, like, Jeff, you didn't do anything today. You didn't accomplish a single thing because all you did was take care of yourself, which is great for my health. Like, I felt awesome, but, like, that's not practical on a daily basis. And you will go insane trying to pull it off every single day. So, yeah, simplicity is huge. And I know that for most people, your morning routine is not going to last that long. It's maybe going to be an hour, maybe two. If you're lucky, you'll have a third hour. But that's really all you get. And so the question is, how do you optimize that time? I think making things really simple and doing the things that make the biggest difference, then those are your highest priority items happen first. So for me, water has become a high priority. It wasn't a long time ago, but I have realized the power of that. And it is so simple and so easy. Uh, so, so why not do it? And that's really the mentality there. Awesome. So, you know, if you're going to, for the listeners that are out there right now that, that are kind of wondering like where to start, let's say they don't have a morning routine or it's kind of scattered and, you know, they do a couple of things every day. What's one simple measurable thing that you think would have the biggest impact if they were to start it, you know, tomorrow morning when they get up? What's like the one thing that you would really recommend they start and just do for like 30 days just to get the ball rolling? Actually, I think the best thing to do is not in the morning, it's in the evening. I think it's to plan your next morning. I think that's where the whole thing starts. You have to know what tomorrow is going to look like today. So you're, so tonight, before you go to bed, take you know 10 minutes and write down, tomorrow morning, here's what I'm going to get up. Here's what I have to leave for the day to do whatever I'm going to do. And between those two time periods, between the wake-up call and leaving the house, I'm going to do you know these three things. And if all you do is that, every night, just make a, small, a short list of a couple of things you're going to do the next morning. That's where it starts. And then from there, you can get more and more intense. You can you know, schedule everything out really hardcore if you want to. But it really just begins with a, a list on paper. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. And then when you wake up, you actually have to do those things. But you know, that's, that's a whole other discipline issue. But you can really create a system where you are intentionally planning your time. And when that's in place, then you have the opportunity to do whatever it is you want to do. You know, Any healthy habit you want to throw in, you can make that happen. But there has to be that intention behind the, the planning of the day. And that happens in the evenings. That's, that's smart. And we'd, we'd actually love to challenge all the listeners out there and, and, and let us know how that goes. Let us know uh, whether you take uh, Jeff's challenge and, and, and put that into action and, and join us on the Facebook page, join us on Twitter, post it on the, on the blog. We'd love to hear from you. Jeff, just uh, sort of wrapping up here, what is one of the things that you're most excited about these days that you'd want our listeners to know about? And I know you mentioned our book. Uh, is there anything else going on right now? The book is the big thing. That comes out hopefully sometime in December or January. So between now and then, uh, what I'm working on is a, a bunch of like a, one big course and so a few other smaller products that are all going to be tied into the book launch. So for me, like the biggest thing is kind of the, the prep for the launch of the book and doing all these different kind of back-end systems and development of products. So I think I'm going to be very busy man over the next six months, but that's kind of the, the big focus right now. Excellent. And, and what's the best way that listeners can get a hold of you? JeffSanders.com is you know, that's the webpage for everything that all I do. The 5A Miracle Podcast is on iTunes. You can find that there or on for Stitcher or anywhere else as well. Uh, but those are the two best places to find me, the podcast and then the website at JeffSanders.com. Yeah, and if, if any, any of our listeners have never uh, listened to, to Jeff before on his podcast, he's absolutely incredible. As you can hear over the last 45 minutes, he's got nothing but amazing tips on how to optimize your morning. So we definitely recommend everyone reach out there. Jeff, we'd like to just acknowledge you for, for the time you spent with us. You've been absolutely incredible. Um, we've learned so much. You're, uh, you're an incredible man. We really, really appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. It's been an awesome day today. Perfect. And thank you so much.